You're listening to The Doers Podcast, right here on The Doers Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Welcome everyone to The Doers Network. I'm your host, Donald Robinson II. And I have to tell you folks, I am very excited for this podcast interview. We have the myth, the woman, the legend, the living legend in the house, Miss Piper Carter. Piper, how you doing? There, how's it going? Excellent, excellent. Glad. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate you, fellow Bamboo member. I'm glad you finally got on. Uh, Me too. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to have a great conversation. And for all of you listening, tune in closely because we got a lot of information to share. Great information. So let's start off, Carter. Who is Piper Carter? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm a community organizer. I'm a photographer. I'm a business owner, which means I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I live in Detroit, so that means I'm a Detroiter. Yay. Um, I love people, so I guess I'm a humanitarian as well, an artist, and a daughter, a friend, and a mentor, and an a advocate for youth. And I would say maybe a youth ally as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and folks listening, she's, so hard, she's the hardest working woman in humanity business because even right now she's working with one of her mentees and we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about some things in terms of community involvement and everything else. But uh, let's start off, too, also with your background. What What is your business and your background? So my I actually have three businesses. One my one of my businesses is Piper Carter Studio. That's my photography business. And I do fashion photography. I do um, music portraits. Um, and yeah, so that's what I'm that's what I'm like, if you want to say known for, that's what I do. I also um, have an organization slash business called We Found Hip Hop, okay. which is an L3C, which is a, 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 a standing a kind of relatively new, maybe 10 or so years old. Uh, only eight states have it. Michigan is one of the states that has it. It's a special tax designation where uh, you have uh, an entrepreneurial business or for-profit business that has a social mission. And so it's called a social enterprise. And so um, because um, I care about people and, and, and um, the planet and humanity, I created this business that allows me um, to do that. And so it's an entertainment business. Um, I do artist development, artist management, um, where I work with artists who consider themselves hip hop artists and help them to um, get their skill sets together and envision their dreams okay. so that they can they can be professional artists. So when you say skill sets, what kind of skill sets do you work with them on? Um, we have because um, Detroit is the kind of city where we don't have um, other cities you know have these pipelines right so if you go to new york if you go to philly um london toronto la um atlanta these cities in nashville these cities have what are basically an, an, an internal um system where the local artists are able to create a career meaning that they don't need to leave their city in order to make um, a livable wage or, or what we would call a decent living. Right. Detroit is a, a city. It's, it's shifting, but it's not one of those types of cities. So many of the artists um, who are professional artists, if they want to make um, a livable wage, 
um, just just doing their art, then they have to leave the city because yeah. Detroit doesn't necessarily have an ecosystem, if you will, so that said artists can can just be in Detroit and make a living. Now, I'm not saying that that no artist in Detroit has ever done it or that people don't do it. But right. what you find is that the rates are really lower. Um, people complain a lot because they're like, oh, well, when I went to this city or that city, I got paid this much. And in Detroit, I'm not getting paid that much. Right. Um, there's just a lot of other factors that are contributing to, I mean, you know, people, people just being gatekeepers and just being in positions of power and not providing opportunities so that artists who um, would like to pursue a career in the arts can have um, a viable career doing such, right? Right. And so part of what um, part of what's happening in general is that shifting. And, and one of my passions is readying artists so that they can be professional artists and also um, putting I'm going to say putting it out there um, that Detroit has wonderful talent. Yeah. And that Detroit, as it's growing, um, has an opportunity to this ecosystem so a part of what i'm also doing is helping to create the ecosystem sure so that so that that exists here so yeah. that artists do have opportunities but uh, but in a part of 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 beginning this ecosystem or creating this ecosystem is making sure that artists know certain things right because it's one thing to sing really well okay that's the talent portion the talent portion is actually the smallest portion of the pie of being a professional artist right um, being a professional artist, you know, you're, you're in business. So you have to be an entrepreneur. And there's just a lot of other skill sets that are necessary yeah. in terms of um, being able to do business and be in business as an artist and right. think as a business person and entrepreneur. Right, right. And another thing, too, um, you know, you and I both grew up in the golden age of hip hop. And it's like it seemed like after everybody talked about the exodus of the Motown sound and the Motown company, mm -hmm. and it seemed like there mm -hmm. was such a void. And even early in the mm -hmm. days of the 80s and 90s, I mean, there were so many people coming up, like, you know, Awesome Dre and all those folks, my boys Chaos mm -hmm. and Maestro, they tried to come up. But it was just, mm -hmm. the like you said, the infrastructure wasn't there. But right. I, you know, what's funny, too, is that not even now, all of the scenes are kind of converging between the tech, right. entrepreneurship, and hip-hop. It's like we're all trying to play catch-up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now you have a convergence of ecosystems budding and jumping off the ground, which is long overdue. Mm -hmm. And I know that. And you then you have, you know, the the, uh, you know, with the internet, people are able to go straight. I guess you. What do you call that? B two B. Yeah. You're able to go like straight to your consumer. Yeah. Um. And there. So with that, there's the missing piece of that is how to do business right because if i just put up a youtube page and my whole vision of my business is strictly transactional yeah then what i'm actually transacting or what i'm actually exchanging or what i'm actually giving um that's not necessarily how do i put it that's not necessarily gonna be right um as valuable right meaning if I've got a hot song and then that hot song is hot, it's only hot for an X amount of time. Right. And then once the, you know, that, that, the peak after the peak, it goes down very quickly. Yeah. And so 
what I do in my business is help artists understand what it is that they're actually selling because it's not necessarily a song. Sure. You're a creative, so you're going to have many songs. You're going to have maybe clothing lines. You're, you're, you you create. And so yeah. people are going to connect to you. So what is that thing? What is that special thing that you're marketing or that you're selling or that you're promoting or that you're sharing? Right. And so helping folks understand how to replicate and how to create um, discipline within themselves sure. so that they can replicate whatever that is and that's not necessarily just like i said the talent piece yeah right. you know and it's not it's not just being a rapper or you know it might be you know what other things do you have about you that folks would like to connect with sure yeah because you know? people are buying you as a person now mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah. And and also, you know, and, and, and we hear that a lot, but I think that um it's very necessary for folks to go through the exercise of practicing it because the actual practical part of it is not very clear. Right. Right. It's not, not it's not just like do this, do that. Right, not a clear cut um solution. Yeah. To it. Now, mm -hmm. now tell me this, Piper. If I correct me if I'm wrong, you you had spent some time in like on the East Coast for a while, didn't? You? Yes. Yeah. So actually, I mean, I grew up between New York and Detroit. Okay. And later, um, I lived in New York City and for many years and a couple decades and uh, nice, wonderful career in fashion photography. Okay. I'm actually the first one black woman to shoot for high-end fashion magazines like Vogue and all these other magazines. So, um, but after having this, this great career, my my mother got sick. Mm -hmm. Um, and I moved to Detroit to help take care of her and she got much better. Good. And, um, so, you know, I was, I owned an art gallery here. So I know about um, owning a commercial business and all of those trials and tribulations. And we got pushed out by gentrification. So I have lots of stories about that. And yeah. um, then fast forward um, through being able to um, be seen as a person who knows about new talent and, and knows how to find new talent and has my ear to the streets, if you will, as to, what's new and what's hot and what's, what's, what's on the verge. Sure. Um, I get hired to, um, produce different events or be on different boards. Um, I was, um, co-chair of Bravo Bravo for a couple of years. Okay. Um, brought on Amp Fiddler for one year, Monica Blair for another year for headlining talent. Um, I have been, uh, I was, one of the organizers or for the local host committee for the um, women's convention that came here yeah. in um, October. And I organized all the arts and culture as well as the entertainment and performances. Okay. Um, and I also, uh, in 2010, I was one of the co-organizers for the arts and culture activities that happened um, with the U.S. Social Forum when it came to Detroit and um, helped organize all the 
arts and culture activities that happened at Eastern Market. Um, I'm one of the organizers for uh, the African World Festival. I organized the, I um, produced the fashion show for Mama Nji Akai um, of NKSK Productions, um, um, where hip hop gets cultured. Um, So, I mean, I'm a part of a lot of different multicultural um, entertainment events that happen. I'm a, um, I, I get to organize the talent. I get to pick the talent. Um, and so my personal business, something I'm very passionate about, is developing new talent and developing young people and, um, and nurturing folks, not just young people, but people in general, but helping them um, to, if, if they have an interest in wanting to do this as a profession, helping them to nurture sure, that, sure. you know, it, ta- it takes a lot to actually do this professionally. Oh yeah. And, you know? and then the blessing in what you're doing is you're taking them by the hand and showing them because unfortunately a lot of young people here don't have too many role models to follow. So then what they end up doing is they follow the public version of people they see, like for example, what they have access to, yeah, and what they have access yeah. to. So if they don't have mm-hmm. direct access, they they're going by who they see on TV or who they hear yeah. on the radio, you know. Yeah. And I I love the fact that you have always been, uh, creative involved in community activism because hip hop itself was founded with that in in, in you mm-hmm. know in New York. You know everybody was about community and building and helping each other. And and I, I love that spirit that we have here. I think it's just a, a, it's a prime opportunity and moments now to share that and be expressive to that to the world, you know. And um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the one thing I wanted to ask you too is how, how did you get into photography as a career? Mm, well, I was going to Howard University, and I was a um, a directing major in um, the fine arts school, okay, okay. and um, for theater. And so I was studying that and uh, choreography. And I just I just needed a change in my life. I, I was going through maybe a personal shift. Yeah. I, was, I was like a depression. It was my early 20s. I think I'm, maybe I was 20. Yeah. Um, and I just needed a change. I saw a friend of mine. I talked to him. Uh, we taught for like hours and he was helping me. He's a really good friend of mine, Dale Davis. I owe him a lot. Yeah. He, um, you know, sat with me and kind of counseled me. He was a little bit older and he was, you know, always, you know, one of those kind of older brother types that sure. you can always go to and talk to. And he always looked out for me. He always was just like, made sure I was okay. You know? Yeah. And, um, he, uh, he was like, yeah, like, what is it inside of you that you really want to do? Like, what are you passionate about? Mm, I love dancing and I love the arts. Both my parents are artists. Um, so I'd grown up in the industry per se. I'd always danced my whole life. Um, I'd always loved, you know, loved hip hop and music and all of that. But it was just something that, I don't know, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Okay. And this was an identity that people always told me, you're going to be an actress, you're going to be this, you're going to be personality, you're going to be. And so I just accepted it like, yeah, that's what I'm going to be. But I hadn't actually um, thought about being anything else. 
Okay. And so he was like, well, if you could be anything else, what would you be? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know myself not being these things. Right. And he was like, well, just think about it. And I took the time. I started thinking about it. And um, I said, I don't know. And then he was like, I see you got something. And I was like, eh, this might be ridiculous. I've never done it before. I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, just say it. It doesn't matter what it is. Just say it. Yeah. I said, well, I just, maybe I want to be a fashion. I love fashion. I said, so maybe I want to be a fashion designer or I want to be a photographer. Yeah. He goes, okay. So he pulls out a coin and I can't remember what kind of coin. It could have been a quarter, I believe. And he was like, we're going to flip a coin. And I said, okay. So he goes, maybe tails was one and heads was the other. I can't remember which right now, but he flipped the coin and it ended up being photography. So I was like, oh, and I was like, okay. He's like, so you're going to change your major. I said, oh my God, I'm going to change my major. I was like, okay. So I went to the department, um, you know, the photography department. Yeah. And I went to Mr. Jarvis Grant. Love Mr. Jarvis Grant to this day. We're friends on Facebook. He's a great mentor, teacher, professor. This guy changed my life. I go to him. He's like, listen, you um, look like, you know, he's like, you seem like you might be interested. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. He's like, but um, just to make sure, this is what I'm going to do. You have to get all A's in all your subjects. Okay. Not just arts and photography, the stuff you like. He's like, in your math, in your science, in your, you know, in your English, all your classes. He's like, every class, you have to get all A's. And if you get all A's, then I'll accept you into the department. How did you feel when he told you that? Do you remember? I was like, okay, let's, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get all A's. I'm going to show you. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I I ended up getting all A's. And at the same time, you know, I uh, I learned that I actually was really good in photography. Like I had an eye for it. Yeah. I was a natural. He sent me to this used camera shop. I bought a Canon AE-1 okay. manual, focus everything, 35 millimeter camera. He hooked, um, I ended up getting the all A's. He was like, I'm very proud of you. That next semester, he hooked me up with this mentor who um, was in D.C., who happened to be the official White House photographer. Wow. Um, first black man to be White House photographer. Um, and that's what I really learned, you know. And from there, that was Bush one. We were in the Gulf War, so yeah, yeah. we were really busy. So he had official spots, like, right down on the White House floor. And everywhere we, we, we had carte blanche. So um, in one way, it was it, it showed me, like, okay, I really like photography. But in another way, it showed me, like, I don't want to do this kind of photojournalism. Yeah. Because it was it was dog-eat-dog-ish. Yeah. Um, I ended up I've, – I've had – my nose busted a few times. I got my lip busted a few times. I got a couple of black eyes. Wow. Um, it's just a, an environment where you have to be, it's journalism. So you have to be the first, it's news journalism. Yeah. So you have to be the first one Yeah. to get the photo. So imagine all the photographers from all over the world that are working for Reuters or Associated Press and Getty and whoever else in every national or international paper, especially imagine if it's a huge story. Yeah. You know, you li they're literally fighting because the first person to get this photo might get 50 or 100,000 or however much they're paying. Right. Or, you know, um, 
maybe they're not getting that much money, but a lot's on the line. Yeah. But from there, I was like, eh, I don't really want to do this kind. I don't want to do this kind of thing. I have to fight. So I, I, I really, you know, I'm an artist at heart. So I, um, when I finished school, I moved to New York City. Actually, when I finished school, I moved back home for a little while, stayed with my mom. I told my mom, yeah, I'm going to, um, my mom's like, yeah, you got to get a job. I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> she's like, she's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta get a job. Cause you gotta get out of here and, and, and get a career. And I was like, um, yeah, like the, my career is I'm done with school. So I'm going right. to live with you. Right. right. And my mom was like, no, you're not. She's like, you're gonna go get your own place and get your own money. And I was like, oh man, I envisioned myself finishing school and just living here with you. And she was like, I don't know where you got that idea from. <laughs> so, uh, so mama Eagle pushing up, the bird out the nest. Yeah. She told me, she was like, I would be irresponsible to do that. Yeah. She's like, as much as I want you to stay here with me and be my baby. She's like, you got to go. I was yeah. like, oh man. So I, um, I got a job at the majestic okay, and wait, waiting tables. And they gave me my first, showing joey shouts out to joey um owner of the majestic if you go to that go to that restaurant it's a great restaurant in woodward um in midtown and um yeah they they support young artists and new artists um i was i was going to ccs at the time i was taking classes at ccs and occ i have to say occ um at the time that i went and even now one of the best photography programs ever okay I can see that as a professional photographer looking at their program, great photo program. Um, CCS was great too. CCS is great if you want to do fine art. Um, OCC is great if you want to enter into the industry. Okay. Uh, um, great technical skills and all that. But I was going, I was taking classes at both of those. Um, like I said, Majestic, shouts to Joey um, from the Majestic. He gave me my first show, my first showing. Um, that went really well. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to, I want to do art. Um, moved to New York city. I think this was like 94 moved to New York city. Um, kind of had to start from scratch from there because, um, I had gotten a call from a friend who was doing security with, um, Zulu nation. Cause Zulu nation used to do a lot of the security for the different hip hop artists Yeah, as well, as well as the nation of Islam. Yeah. So my friend was like, oh, um, Snoop Dogg's going to go on tour. You want to go on tour with them as their tour photographer? So all I can say is thank God that um, that didn't work out in hindsight. <laughs> wow. Okay. But, um, but I ended up going to New York City. I moved. I packed all my stuff. I think I had like $300. Moved to New York City. And um, so when I first got to New York City... I um, actually uh, went to go, you know, check in to 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 say, hey, I'm here, I'm ready to, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm ready to work. And they were like, well, we have actually, you know, postponed the tour. So I'm like, oh crap. So I go to um, the place where I had organized myself a month earlier to stay. Yeah. And um, it was a friend of mine, and um, she was like. Hey, you know what? I had time to think about it. And I decided that since everyone who moves to New York City um, suffers, I feel like 
why should you have any easier? You know, like you should suffer too. So I'm not going to let you stay with me. So I literally was, you know, homeless and didn't have anywhere to go. Um, I made some calls. I called to a friend of mine and um, my friend, um, shouts out to my friend, Andrew Scott, his mom let me stay with her um, at their house in the projects in New Rochelle. Wow. And I'm forever uh, grateful to to him and her and them for that. Um, I ended up meeting a guy on the train whose name was uh, was a uh, human, and he uh, put me up on these events that he would have or that he was promoting, and um, there would be different and things at the events. And so basically, um, I ended up meeting a lot of different celebrities and uh, photographing them and developing relationships, people in the industry and whatnot. Um, I ended up meeting a guy named Yeoman. And Yeoman lived in Harlem. Um, and be- because I lived in New Rochelle, um, it, the train ended at like a certain time. And so Yeoman had an extra room and he was just a really cool guy. He was one of these guys where um, all the like club kids and stuff would um, stay at Yeoman's house. Okay. Um, the club kids that lived like if they lived either in, in like New Rochelle or Yonkers or wherever they need to get to um, and they couldn't get back home uh, right. for a certain time. So the, everybody would spend a night at Yeoman's house. That was cool. Um, that was cool. And it was cool. And Yeoman was a writer. He wrote for a lot of different big, huge R&B acts. And so um, when I was staying with Yeoman, he was like, oh, um, you're from Detroit. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, so I know you could sing. And I'd be like, nah. Because in my mind, I'm thinking of Detroit standards, you know? Right. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I know what I'm saying. He's like, well, you can keep the tune, can't you? I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, you grew up in church, right? I said, yeah. He's like, well, you can, you know how to do, you know, background and stuff I said yeah I could do that so then Yeoman started paying me as a background singer and then I was making money um doing these photos at the club right um at night and then um and then singing background for Yeoman and helping Yeoman um create arrangements create arrangements and things for different live performances so that's how I was you know earning my living while I was trying to figure things out later I got a this job at this um, restaurant named Kwanzaa okay. and it was a, an African-American restaurant that was in Little Italy and um, I started meeting a lot of people I remember I met Stevie Wonder there I met like all these people would come to this restaurant Kwanzaa that was down there and um, you know I was waiting tables right. and you know just meeting people and met a friend had a amazing loft in the East Village started living there it was a huge um, loft, um, and that kind of ended up being the home of where I first started, if you will, taking in a lot of different people and artists and friends and, you know, um, family friends and things. Yeah. And we ended up all kind of living there, helping each other out, pay the bills and things. And, um, I, I ended up starting to go to school again. I started going to the school of visual arts, um, SVA in New York, taking classes. Um, I later started going to FIT fashion Institute of technology. Um, I started assisting different photographers, um, and learning lighting. I ended up assisting, um, Stephen Klein, 
uh, and a lot of different other amazing photographers. And that's where, you know, we were shooting Naomi Campbell and Kate Moss and wow. Brad Pitt and Madonna yeah. and Nicole Kidman and all these amazing um, celebrities. And I started getting known. So, you know, I had gone to Howard University. So I had that whole sort of um, social, if you will, capital yeah. behind me. And um, and then by me growing up in the industry and my the connections that my family members had. Yeah. And then the different connections that I started to make um, with uh, just being exposed to, to travel. And, 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 you know, that was where... Um, you know, I traveled the world. Um, I learned about lighting. I, I met all kinds of people. Um, I developed all these different skill sets. And at the same time, I, I I always was waiting tables when I would come home. Yeah. I have, and 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 even to this day, I've literally uh, been to maybe uh, five different continents and probably like 150 cities globally. Wow. Um, rural areas, all types of things. But, um, you know, fast forward to my life, um, in, De in Detroit and I, I have decided that, Hey, you know, all of these experiences that I was able to have, um, was literally because these, you know, these cities had, you know, New York city had, has, has an ecosystem. Yeah. You know, if that, if that structure hadn't been there, I, I would not have been able to stay doing creative things and make money. Sure. Well, before and we so, go any, before yeah. we go any further, what I want to yeah. do right now, Piper, I want to give a shout out to all of the beautiful people, all of the angels who helped you get thus far, because your life is a testimony that you have been carried by great people, and you know, you with you being a great humble person yourself, it just you're just bringing, uh, paying it forward in what you're doing right now because of the people who have brought you forward. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank I didn't you mean to everybody. Yeah, because it it and I think also, and we're going to talk about going and leading to your community work too. It's about being a village, um, and that village now is global because of technology, and now we were able to help a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And for me personally, I would just like to say thank you for coming back home to your roots and and bringing something to the youth here, um, because we, I've seen that. For all like like bamboo members, for example, even people out in the community in the neighborhoods, I think there's a, an energy starting to really take bubble to the surface in terms of people willing to help each other, no matter where you come from, what your background is. People are pitching in, and and that's what we need to make this city great again, make the state great again, and make things happen for our youth. Mm-hmm. And um, the other, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the, the thing is, they, they have to have role models to look up to. And a lot of us have been siloed for many different reasons. I mean, I'm over here doing something, you over there doing something. And in the past, you know, like the years you spend in New York, when I was, because I, I never, you know, I traveled a lot when I was a kid, but I always lived here. And what I always saw was it was too many people doing the same thing, but nobody was talking to each other. Mm. You know? And I think even, even with, our, with our hip hop community here back in those times, there were a lot of great people, a lot of talented people, but it, it and they try people did work together to a certain extent, but the like you said before, the ecosystem just was not there. You mm -hmm. know, and and I sometimes I lament the fact that people who were of that in that era, they didn't get the just do they deserved because I think that they should really have been successful way more than they were, but mm -hmm. but they but but nonetheless, you know, I want to shout out all to, to all of them 
for even paving the way, even taking a chance, because we without that we would have had nothing, you know. And I think also too, you know, to your point, um, we hadn't had the conversations about entrepreneurship in the arts. Yeah. Right. All the entrepreneurship conversations centered around these sort of traditional types of businesses. Right. And so there wasn't a consciousness of being a business person um, within the arts. Right. And so, um, I mean, and with that, um, you had a lot of vigilante <laughs> yep. uh, people just out there, you know, swinging and, 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 and doing their thing and, and, and striving to make it. Um, and so now though, there are a lot more conversations in Detroit about, uh, how do you want to call it? I guess like, like, we're, like we keep saying, just creating this ecosystem. Yeah. Um, in, in the arts specifically. Oh yeah. Entertainment centers, um, record labels, management, and, and all of the support systems so that artists can have places and spaces to do what it is that they do and get yeah. paid a livable wage. Oh, yeah. And and, and be comfortable and, and happy and doing what they're doing so that, that it fuels that fire for them to do more in that mm-hmm. same, air, in, air, same arena, I should say. Now, let, mm-hmm. me, let me ask you, I'm going to get a little deep with this question. So for all of the businesses you have created and the service you provide to everyone and the humanity that you display, what were some of the most valuable life lessons you learned from doing what you do? I think a lot of lessons that I learned, I didn't realize I was learning a lesson. Right. What I mean by that, I basically, in hindsight, there was a lesson. Right. The lesson... Uh, one major lesson was these relationships. People always say relationships, relationships. Um, it was because of my relationships that I had, you know, a person would say, I know a person. And so with that being a person that people could refer. So meaning that I was knowledgeable, that I was reliable, that I was friendly, that I was courteous, that I was, um, going to try hard, that I was going to work hard, that I was going to be, be, be authentic and be honest. I was going to figure it out. I was going to give my best. I was going to be pleasant to be around. Sure. Um, and so, like I said, those are things that I can see in hindsight, but it wasn't like from the beginning, I was like, I knew that this was all, it was like a lot of those things were just me naturally. Yeah. And then a lot of those things, were even though they were me naturally, I also had to cultivate. Okay. Because um, because I'm in an entertainment business, um, and it is a customer service oriented business. Entertainment is very customer service oriented. Yeah. Meaning you can uh get anybody, but why do you want to work with this you know this person in particular? Right. Yeah. It's because that person brings something in particular. Sure. Whether it's now many times it's their expertise, but the expertise alone doesn't necessarily seal the deal. Right. Because um, it's a very personality oriented business. People want to know that they can get along with you. People want to know that you're easy to work with. 
that you're going to get things done, that you're going to follow through, that if they call you and they ask you to do something, you're going to give 110% or better, 1,000%. Sure. They want to know that you're going to go above and beyond. They want to know that if they choose you, they've made the right choice. Right. And that's in any any business. Right, right. Especially People when you get spend a their job. money. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, like, like, like if you want to go get something to eat, I mean, you want what you want to eat. Right. There's so many choices, right? People are like, oh, you know, why are people creating new restaurants? But new restaurants succeed and fail all the time. Yep. You know, not because uh, the food or whatever. I mean, the food can contribute to it, but for the 99.9% of the time, it's that customer service piece. Yeah. It's that human piece, that humanity, um, you know, that, 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 that part of it that can't really be taught per se right right you know what i mean yeah it's like got it has to be something within you like innate like something already within you hopefully it's already within you yeah the reason i think per per se i do believe um types of traits if, if they're not innate in a person um it's not necessarily something that can or can't be taught right but it is something that can be shown. Okay. Meaning that um, if a person doesn't know how to communicate or how to express themselves or how to follow up or how to, um, you know, just check up on people and see if they're okay, those are things that, um, like, everybody doesn't necessarily do those things naturally. Right. But there are things that once you become aware that that's what needs to be done, those are things that you need to to learn how to do. If yeah. this is the business that you want to be in. Right, right. Because I think that's a lot of times the issue, too. People take the jobs. They really don't want to do it, but they're doing it for a paycheck. Or oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. And then you see it, their, heart, mm-hmm. their heart's just not in it. Right. And it's funny you mentioned that, too, Piper, because it's like we don't think about it. When I go to, you know, restaurant or whatever, you don't think about it, but that experience you're talking about, the customer experience is about being connected to another human being. And that human connection is the glue that ties us all together. And now, right. You know, and now you, you're seeing it on a global level. I mean, people even reaching right. through social media and technology, but the, the whole bottom line with uh, the undercurrent for all of that is human connection. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I want to talk to you next about in terms of your activism and your community involvement. So let's talk about a little about what you're doing and what you've been doing, you know, up until this point. Well, many of the things that I'm involved in revolve around youth or, or I'll say, and or women, especially black women, brown women, um, women, so-called marginalized women. Okay. Um, and I guess mostly because I don't know, those are my passions. I, um, I love seeing, um, young people, um, just empower themselves to their fullest potential. Sure. I feel that when I was a young person, even though I had a lot of encouragement and support and things, I feel that a lot of what I actually needed wasn't there. And right. I had to, I had to create a lot of opportunities for myself. Right. But I feel that now in the world that we live in, that there's more um, opportunities 
Well, let me say this. There's always been opportunities. I don't want to say that there weren't opportunities. I feel that we're aware of more opportunities um, it, currently. And so um, with that, what we, what we don't necessarily have access to is how to take advantage of those opportunities right. or how to best position ourselves to, to, to have an opportunity. Right. Um, those are things that are not, those are things that if you're not from a certain socioeconomic um, background, you're not going to learn. Right. And so that's why we see the whole like dog eat dog. Yep. Because people need opportunities. Sure. People are clawing for an opportunity. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like if you have uh, five dogs in the room and you haven't fed any of them for five days straight. So they sit right. around and then you take a little sliver of a piece of meat and you throw it out right. there. What they're going to do? They're going to battle each other for that one little right. piece of meat. You know, right. So it's like, and the difference between us, right, and the dogs is that as humans – we could learn how to share. Yeah. We could learn how to work together. Right. We could learn how to position ourselves so that we're work- working as a team. Right. But these are things that when you're in desperation, those aren't things that are going to be front or most present of mind. Right. Because survival, survival is the, I mean, it's, it's part of our, human DNA survival is the top priority. If there's nothing else you have, you know? Yeah. So that's where we see a lot of this fight or flight. Right. And so we're in these systems where we're, we're controlled by and um, influenced by these systems. And so all of these ills that are happening are systemic. Yep. And so um, for me, it's important to have folks see these systemic things or these systemic issues or these systemic blocks and problems that are happening as systemic. Yeah. absolutely. Because if we can see them as systemic and we can see them as systems, then we can take ourselves out of blaming ourselves for things. And we can look at, we can look at how we can then get our power back. Right. And, and and what's nice uh, in terms of, our society as it stands present day is that there's a convergence. I mean, th- this is the first time I've seen it where on a massive level, whether you're just you know, tinkering in your room or you're trying to create a full scale business where, like you say, t- technology meets art, left brain meets right brain. You- you're using a lot of different tools, analytical and creative, and be able to come up with something cool or something great, or even something that inspires other people. Um, and, and it's, and it's, I think Detroit is, is being put Becoming to be put in a position where we can be forefront makers, creatives, technologists, entrepreneurs, and have that shared space where, you know, people are helping each other and inspiring each other. And I think that's one of the things I've heard a lot of people say is that um, there's a spirit here in Detroit that they just don't find anywhere else. Um, I think that's a testament to us as a people, who we are, our our identity. I think that um, in the past few years, We've been recreating our identity or, or redefining our identity, and and it's becoming. I think it's on on many pockets and many different levels. There are nice results coming forth, but that you know, hopefully, we get a lot more very soon. Um, love what the young people are doing. 
you know, the teenagers and the, the young millennials, you know, on the cusp of doing great things. So, um, you know, I'm just inspired by a lot of things I'm seeing around. And um, the one of the other one question I want to ask you, too, is how did you um, get to be involved and, and how did you discover and become to be involved with Bamboo Detroit? So Bamboo Detroit, well, I initially had a space okay. um, in um, Corktown. Okay. And like I said, we got run out by gentrification. Yeah. And so um, it took me a minute, but I had seen, well, I, I had seen Bamboo, uh, like, I don't know, uh, online or something, something like that. I said, huh, that's kind of cool. I yeah. said, let me try it. And I had seen that uh, all the cool stuff that they were doing. Yeah. And I thought to myself, wow, that's some cool stuff they're doing. Yeah. Uh, meaning that they had, had um, offered to the community for free. And I thought that was pretty cool that they offered um, free uh, classes and workshops, you sure. know, because yeah. I felt like the, the information that they were offering yeah. was very valuable. Right. Um, around entrepreneurship, around um, like tech, around um, startups, funding, grants. I mean, there was just a lot of information that they were giving, you know, for free. Yeah. And so um, I just felt that uh, they really were doing a good job of connecting with people how it was relevant. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great community. And so I, yeah, yeah. I said, I said that. So I said, Oh, that's what I, so then I, when I went to go visit, then I saw it was in the Sharon Madison building. Yeah. Well, that, cause I know bamboo was someplace else before. Right. And, but when I went in the, the Sharon Madison building and I said, Hmm, I was like, this is where I want to, you know, I want to have my business because it's downtown, it's convenient, um, it's in this community building from this um, this person, this entrepreneur, this woman whose father was an architect and had uh, a, a dream of creating spaces, right, right for right. for Detroiters, for Detroit business owners, right. and and where you know, and she's passionate about helping artists, and she's passionate about you know making sure that. Um, businesses are able to be in business and that businesses have a, 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 a place where, uh, you know, they can be comfortable and they can, you know, um, bring in their clients and, and have the clients feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and that's something that they're, that they, that they work towards every day. I mean, if you, you know, I'm a part of, I'm a member of bamboo and I have access to Sharon Madison. Yeah. You know, um, she comes through, she makes sure that things are okay. Right. Yeah. Um, Amanda. Oh, yeah. Yao, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, Yao, you know, helped me um, create uh, some an outline. You know, I had my my business agenda that I wanted to do. Um, I talked to I was talking to Yao saying, you know, I'm really struggling you know, I got, I got my ideas. So Yao sat with me and he helped me take my ideas. We whiteboarded, he took the time and I whiteboarded with him. I yeah. said, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, okay. And then I said, I want to put into an outline, but I'm kind of struggling. And, and he literally put it into the outline. Like I talked and then like this. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. 
you know, and that's a that's a very valuable service. Oh yeah. That has has been useful to me in it, and because he was able to help me structure my outline, I actually was able to keep my deadlines. Yeah. Like I had set these hard deadlines for myself, but because of the that that outline that structure that he helped provide for me, I was actually able. Like I'm on task. I'm on time with all my deadlines. Yeah, and that's amazing. That's wonderful. Just a wonderful testimony. Um, just shout out to Sharon Madison for having the structure of the space to allow a great organization like Bamboo Detroit to come in. And like you said, shout out to Amanda and Yao and all the good people, Mike and everybody else at Bamboo who have you know decided to create a space for people to be welcome and do their thing and grow oh, and prosper. And Amanda, and, yeah, she she sat with me. You yeah, know, I told Amanda, you know, I said, hey, you know, I'm struggling with um, my financial plan. Yeah, and then she sat with me and we talked and she helped me create this awesome spreadsheet where. Um, you know, we, we, we sat and, and she helped me create this like financial plan for myself. Great. Great. This structure, you know, and it was, it was literally like, you know, there's one thing where you try to do all these things, you know, cause as an entrepreneur, as a solo entrepreneur, I don't have employees. Um, a lot of this stuff I have to do by myself. Yeah. I have a, um, if with the, uh, we found hip hop, I have a business partner. She also, you know, Nina Payne, shouts to Nina Payne foundation management. Yeah. She also has her business at bamboo. Right. So we're able to meet at Bamboo, and and because she also has her business there, we're able to meet there, do our meetings there. I mean, I have um, a shared desk. Okay. The shared desk works for me because of the nature of the of my businesses. Yeah. Um, I can I have access to the conference rooms. I have access to the cafe. Um, I have access to the community that's there. Yeah. You know, they take my packages, my mail, you know, um, I, I know that I can, you know, just reserve a space and then I can have a space to meet. I have at my disposal, you know, whiteboards and technology and right. screens and, and I can hook up things. I have, you know, rooms I can use. I can, you know, meet with other folks there, you know, um, yeah. to, to, to think about what, what, what other folks there are actually doing too. Right. Just a plethora of tools that you you can at your disposal, so you can do what you need to do to help yourself and your business grow. And you know, I know with you being mobile, because you're you're all you know you're doing a lot out in the actual streets. You're doing a lot of work mm -hmm. with the youth. You, it's it's a, like this is my home base. Now let me go deploy myself and get out here and, and do what I got to do. And you know, Bamboo has you provides that great home home base for a lot of good entrepreneurs like yourself. Um, right. So then. Uh, Last question I want to ask you for tonight um, is this: What what what's your take on the scene, you know, tech community and otherwise for Detroit in say the next five to ten years? What where do you see Detroit headed? Well, a lot of the talk um, with the different communities, right? So, like the business community, even in the political community, even um, in, in 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 higher education is. What is the purpose? Yeah. The purpose of everything. Right. Um, a lot of people are seeing AI. Right. And they're they're very afraid of AI. Right. Looking at it like, okay, well, what's the what what skills should people be learning if everything's moving to AI? If everything's moving to all of this, you know, automation and advanced automation without human uh, intervention. Right. And so I feel that 
it's kind of mixed, but I feel like adding that humanity back into things. So going to more what I would call analog things. Yeah. Like I see I see young people who are listening to cassette tape. Wow. Um, more record stores popping up. I see more. I see now we have a couple of record press yeah. um, companies, right. you know, popping up. I see um, people going back to film and yep. photography, like yeah. using actual film and darkroom and, and, and doing negatives. Like I yeah. see a lot of people doing that. I see, I see a lot of the return. I see, I see a lot of acoustic music. We have all this to digital technology music, I see people returning to acoustic sounds. Yeah. Just having a, a, a guitar. Right. Um, so I see people returning more. I see the niches of having those very special and specialized and specified personable, personal skills being of value. Yeah being of high quality value. Like I see people doing letterpress, like actual letterpress to create magazines. Yeah. You know, um, and so while we're moving to AI, you know, big companies like Amazon and who else are looking to do, you know, full automation and replace humans on that like large wide scale. I see more of the smaller, small business, niche business as where the focus is yeah. in terms of technology and, and, and in the worlds that I'm and in the conversations that I'm involved in. Sure. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, you know, people there, you know, it's, 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 you know, the last several years, it's been a fear of technology. You know, the robots are going to take over mentality. But if you look at the annals of history, technology has allowed human beings to some things it's easy some things have been made easier but it allows them to do other things so it allows you to think freer about other things you know so i think once people understand what ai is cuz really it's it's a computer that's learning to think on its own and that's a scary thought for a lot of people but if you think about that then if you look at it in the in the creative space you know in the creative way you can say, well, I can build other things. I can learn how to reconnect. Let's learn how to reconnect with each other, you know, because we've been disjointed to a certain extent with technology. But now let's figure out how we can create more pathways, maybe possibly through technology, to connect with each other on a human level. You know, like we talked about earlier, it's about the human connection. And that's that's really where we're at, we're at a crossing point. We are, we're at a crossroads in our society now about that, about approaching that in a new way you know what do we do to reconnect with each other you know that's kind of what i see i see i'm also on the board of um unesco okay which is um detroit has been designated as a city of design right um it's a special designation there are other cities in the world that have the designation um around what does it mean uh, when we say that, uh, when we say sustainable design, right? And so, um, you know, we mean it's accessible, and um, we mean that, you know, it's inclusive, you know. Sure. And so, I think, um, you know, even uh, the the whole idea, you know, uh, we hear about um, the divide 
in Detroit specifically. Right, right. right. And I think that mm-hmm. that's the that yeah you're right. I think that helps take it's going to help take Detroit to the next level. How do you come up with design that's inclusive for all, and then mm-hmm. have every sector of the community at least have the choice to be invested in the process as opposed to being shut out? Um, exactly. You know, because we both know about this whole uh, neighborhoods versus downtown thing, which is, you know, in some ways real, some ways it's, it's maybe just misunderstanding and, and illusory to my to my perspective because, you know, me working downtown for 20 years, I've seen the change from going from bottom bottom low to bottom to thumbs up, you know, in terms of, you know, there was a time downtown when nothing was happening. You know, if you didn't if you didn't go to school or work down there, or you know, if you weren't heavily involved with it, you really didn't have a have a have a, a you didn't have a connection to it. And uh, but now it's becoming more inclusive. Um, there's still some ways, a lot of ways to go with it. But I think that if we can change that narrative somehow to let to make inviting for more people to say we welcome you and you have just as much of a right in investing in downtown as anybody else. Um, so well, I think also too, and that it goes the other way as well. Yeah. That investment happens in the neighborhood. Yeah. With with the neighbors. <laughs> with the neighbors, with right? With the people right. that are impacted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that folks are not just asked like, what color do they want something painted? Right. But what are your ideas about what should happen here? Right. Should we paint it at all? Maybe. Yeah. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's and, and that they have and that they have the means to do what it is that they want to see there. That's right. And th- that's know, important. That that's invested in as well. Yeah. Because, um, you know, having your voice be heard, that's the biggest key to the whole narrative. That, that, that's the biggest, the biggest key to the whole dilemma. You know, if people people want to be heard and they want to be felt. They want to feel like they've been heard. And once they feel that, then a lot of those layers get taken off. So hopefully we can continue that movement, get those layers peeled off, and people can really work together as, as, a, as a whole community. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to wrap it up now, folks. So if you're listening to us on the podcast here, the Doers Network, we've been talking to the wonderful, awesome, and talented Piper Carter. Piper, as we close out, for people who want to reach out to you, do you, what's your contact information? My the quickest way to reach me, um, it, you know what I, I answer everything. So <laughs> okay. I would say Piper Carter at Gmail. That's my email. Okay. Um, all my social media handles are Piper Carter. Okay. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, um, YouTube. Okay. I am, and I, and my website is Piper Carter Studio for the photography, and we found hip hop for the, um, well, it's pipercarterstudio.com for the photography, and we found hiphop.com for the music. Great. So, everybody out there listening, make sure that you, we'll repeat that again later, and make sure that if you want to reach, Piper and find out more about what she what she's doing. If you want to maybe do business with her, you want to contact her, please do so. I highly recommend you reach out to her. Whether you're thinking about being an artist, being a creative, thinking about starting a small business, whatever you're thinking about doing, this this is a definite 
reliable and wonderful resource for you. So please take advantage of that. So with that being said, Piper Carter, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate you and your time. And I've had a great time talking to you. And I hope nothing but the best and blessings for you and what you're doing. And just keep doing what you're doing. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. So, folks, we're going to close out. Thank you for listening to the Doers Network, where actives grow and thrive. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our conversation with Piper Carter, creative, cultural activist, and entrepreneur. For more information about Carter, you can look her up at www.pipercarterstudio.com. You can also look up her website, www.wefoundhiphop.com. She's also available on social media. You can search for Piper Carter and reach out to her if you need any more information on her, her business, and her services. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Podcast, where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at bamboodetroit.com.